following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. This is Ugly Phil. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Hey, listen, think carefully about your job, because I've got a question about that in just a sec. In fact, speaking about jobs, we've got futurologist David Smith on the phone from the UK, because I read a report that our jobs are going to become obsolete in 20 years' time because of robots. This can't happen, surely. I think it probably is. I think some people are going to be replaced and some people are going to be enhanced in what they do and the sort of tools they use that will make them more productive. Engineers even, construction workers, retail salespeople, who I'm afraid those jobs will disappear. But when it comes to things like lawyers, doctors and accountants, will they be surpassed by technology or will their work take them into different areas, perhaps? Two things, yeah. One, that there will be new work that we will be doing because uh, the world changes and the tools we use change, therefore we've got to adapt what we do. But the more interesting thing is already artificial intelligence, cognitive systems, IBM Watson, they're being used in areas like medicine and proving to be quite a significant amount more accurate. I think one of the examples was lung disease diagnosis, not a really happy topic, but um, yeah. you know, if you want to get it right, it, these things prove to be in some cases 40% more accurate. I think in the future, we're probably going to ask our doc, is that your opinion or is that a, the computer's opinion? Yeah. And I want the computer's opinion. <laughs> of course, doctors will go on to look at old age wellness managing even body part managing as well, given the technology that's available. And I read recently of the possibility of head transplants. Maybe that'll be the area of expertise, how to keep people going beyond 100 years of age. Gerontologist talks about us living two, three, four, even 500 years. Gives us plenty of time to get things done. And we're always <laughs> rushing around like crazy things. So uh, yeah. <laughs> we can slow down a bit and enjoy life. I think one of the things we're going to have to worry about is food source. People mm. who will move on to be insect-based food developers. That could very likely happen, or even more interesting, I think, is 3D printed foodstuffs. MIT produced one of these about 10 years ago. If we can use smart systems and manufacture food where and when we want it, then we aren't going to waste anything. Don't you think, though, we're at danger of making ourselves obsolete? Do you know, I think we've tried to do that for a long time. Yeah, some jobs may go, but others come in. Queen Elizabeth I, at the first stocking-making machine, came out and she was quoted as saying, what will my subjects do to earn a living? You know, automation has been creeping around for five, six, seven hundred years. Sure. We sort of get used to it after a while and then we move on. But now we can speak to our devices, whether it's Siri or now or Cortana. We're getting better. So we'll have sort of personal digital assistance. So we'll just say, look, you know, how's my body doing? And uh, it'll interrogate our wearable devices and say, well, not so good today. You might want to go and do blah, blah, blah. And that'll increase your life expectancy by three weeks. So, you know, heaven knows where we're heading in terms of how we can communicate with smart systems. Being a disc jockey, obviously I don't have any yeah. discernible skills. So, you know, if I can be replaced by a robotic voice, I don't even think I can help the world eat insects properly. But if you have got no discernible skills, then probably it's impossible to automate you. I may use that <laughs> as my defence when I'm after a pay rise. It's now the turn of the professions to engage with these tools in a way that sometimes makes some parts of their job redundant and yeah. other parts much more productive and interesting. And, you know, if you're trained to be a doctor, do you really want to sit there doing endless hours of diagnosis or do you want to actually fix people? Mm, good point. Good to talk to you. Hey, listen, Sammy X, speaking about jobs, uh, have you written your one? Don't tell me what yours is, but have you written your one down yet? Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> oh, good. I can't wait to hear it. I'll ask you in just a second as well about your job. Just talking a moment ago to David, the futurologist, and how we've become so concerned about losing our jobs. But I don't know if you've noticed this, there's a trend lately of people to give themselves and their jobs bullshit names. For example, I ran into somebody the other day who works, and this is especially the case in radio. I ran into somebody the other day and I said, what do you do? And he said, oh, I'm the head of strategy and development. And I said, well, what is that? I mean, you're just a salesman, really, aren't you? So I've come up with a bullshit name for what I do. You've got one as well, Sammy X. And then we'll open up the phone. You come up with a bullshit name for what you do for a living, and I'll see if I can guess it. You ready for my job title? Go for it. I'm a technician of oral dynamics. That sounds fancy. Yeah, no, yeah I like that. Technician of oral dynamics. Ooh. Yeah, no, what do you do? I'm an integrated media contents performance developer. Fantastic! How long is that? Well, aka, she answers the phone. But <laughs> come up with a bullshit name for what you do for a living and I'll see if I can guess it. For example, you might be a creator of new pathways, Sammy X. 
I'd like to think I am. Yeah, no, that's it. That's got to guess what that is. Oh, um, creator of new pathways. Like a like a, a building tarmac person. Plumber. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that makes sense. You're listening to the Rubber Room podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, seven to ten p.m. on Triple M. Okay, so I mentioned before that people are so worried about their jobs that they're giving themselves ridiculous bullshit job names. Me, I'm a technician of oral dynamics. That's my gig. How are you there, Josh? How are you, Phil? What is it? Underwater ceramics engineer. A, a plumber? Dishwasher. Dishwasher. Dish <laughs> Hello, Dave. Hello, sir. How are you going, buddy? What are you? I'm an excrement relocation engineer grade three. Uh, that's a plumber apprentice. No, a shit kicker. <laughs> How are you, Wayne? Give me your job description. It's not actually my job, but it's a uh, it's a glorified bus driver. Taxi driver? Pilot. All right, Brendan, give it to me. It's extreme public relations management. Uh, you work at the bank? No, but it's a government position. That's why it's got extreme in it. Exactly. All right, Mike, I'm ready for you. I am a purveyor of hastily prepared food and drink products. You work at McDonald's? Damn, that was good. All right, Dan, I'm ready for you. I'm a relocation and management specialist. Real estate agent? No. What? I'm a truck driver. There you go. Okay, Dave, I'm ready for you. Phil, I am a CFTS, otherwise known as a containerized freight transportation facilitator. Truck driver. Certainly is. Hey, Karma. How you going, Phil? What is it? I'm a behavioural therapist for Wombat. You work at the zoo. I'm a bouncer. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Stephen, what is it? Okay, I am a transporter of wonderfully delicious handcrafted goods. Deliver pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> Better at this game than I thought I was, Ross. What's yours? I am an integrated logistics disbursement coordinator. That's fantastic, and I've got no idea. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't. What is it? I work in a warehouse. Of course you do! <laughs> All right, Callum, hit me. I am a food and beverage attendant. Waiter. Yeah. All right, go on, Damien. I'm a frontline retail strategist. Salesman. Yes. All right, Jake, I'm ready. All right, I'm a memory technician. A what? A memory technician. I couldn't even guess. What's that? Dairy farmer. Ryan, give it to me. An inebriation nourishment supplier. (laughs) You work behind the bar. I work making kebabs. And one more. Adam, what is it? Airline member, movement expert. You move freight? No. Baggage collector. Bus driver. Out of the airport. Fantastic. It's great to see there's so many bullshit artists out there. (laughs) Mr. Inappropriate, if you could do the introductions, please. When I was a young lad, I ran away from home to join the circus. But when I got there, the clown said, no thanks, we've already got a bearded lady. Here's Sherry Curry from The Runaways in the Rubber Room. My name is Sherry, and my life was ready for a change. We are choosing you to be a part of rock and roll history. The Runaways have the most chance of any group I've seen to tear this world apart. Thank you. I was looking so forward to meeting you, and now you're here. We spoke about The Runaways and also the film. I'd like to go back to the film as well because I asked you whether or not you thought it was an accurate portrayal of what really went on. Obviously, you can only do so much in a condensed 90-minute version. Well, you know, I think Joan Jett said it best. When she saw the film, she goes, I can't just turn around and say, oh, my God, that was so wrong. I mean, they had bits and pieces of it, and, you know, I mean, it's a loose version of what happened, but, like, they've got Dakota, who played me, Dakota Fanning, during a talent show in junior high school where I'm doing the song Lady Grinning Soul, and people are throwing food and booing me off the stage, but actually... I did 1984, and I won that talent show. And in fact, I won the respect of all the kids that I had been battling with. Looking back at that period now, that there was an element of exploitation because you were so young, because you didn't perhaps have a great parental figure around you. That was the music business of the 70s. But again, what we were doing had never been done before. And they keep going back to Kim and saying he forced drugs on you. and So untrue. That man hated drugs, alcohol, anything like that, because if we were not sharp, it was costing him money. He did not agree with it. He never pushed it on us. I will say for sure that he knew how hard this was going to be, and that's why I'm so glad that he and I 
had a close relationship towards the end because he could explain to me his reasoning. Doesn't mean he was right, and he knows he wasn't right, but how do you toughen up 16, 17-year-old girls to go out into the music industry for months at a time on tour with no parental supervision and for us to be able to stand up to these guys that didn't really want us there. You know, 40 years later, I understood where he was coming from. If we couldn't handle Kim and his verbal abuse and all that, we were not going to be able to handle these tours. Had it not imploded the way it did, do you think that, you know, that you could have got another 20 years out of that? Not called the runaways, okay. <laughs> but you know what? I think, and even Kim said, and I, he was very sad that I'd left because he felt if I'd have just stuck around for one more record, something could have happened. But the girls didn't make it without me either, and, you know, it just was the timing. We made our statement, and when you look at the original five, there's something magical about us. And uh, that magic was gone after Jackie left and then after I left. Cherie Curry, formerly of the Runaways, is here, playing at the Manning Bar this Friday night in Sydney and then on the 26th, which is the night before, at the Trifford Newstead in Brisbane. So we were talking before about the Runaways and you were saying that uh, you're probably the only former member of the band that has played with the other guys outside of the Runaways. Joan and Lita, definitely. Uh, Sandy, of course, we lost her. Sandy West, the drummer, lost her about seven years ago. But very talented girls, very talented. And Joan is, of course, she was bored to do this. Is it acrimonious? Because I know you've played with the other members. Of, in fact, you're the only one who's played with all the other members of the That's band. That's right, yes. I wish we could have done a reunion. And Joan and Lita, they just don't see eye to eye with management, so on and so forth. So right. that's what's kept it from happening. But even though I've kind of reserved myself to the fact that it's not going to happen, I also believe in miracles. But I'm letting that go now. Do you do much of the runaway stuff on the Of course. Right, excellent. I mean, I believe in giving the fans what they want, and they want to hear what brings them back to that nostalgic, warm and fuzzy feeling. Like I love whenever I go to see bands or solo artists from the 70s or whatever, you always want to hear those songs that make you feel young again. But, you know, things have changed. You don't have those heroes anymore. I really don't listen to any kind of uh, music these days. I just always listen to classic rock. I guess your political bent in this particular case was a generational thing as well. Exactly. Uh, That was Kim's brainchild. It had to be. Those lyrics had to be in order for us to even get the door slightly open. It had to shock people, you know, being that young. And that's when I when I decided, when I saw that corset in the window, and I thought, this is perfect for Cherry Bomb, which was our single. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is again, back then, it was theatrical. Shows were theatrical. You had multiple costume changes. Elton or Bowie or, you know, even Alice Cooper with all of those very theatrical shows. It was just a different time, but it was the greatest music. And it's so funny when I look at American Idol, or, well, the idol shows, let's say, or The Voice or all that. And I'm kind of glad that that's dying down because I know that Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, they would never have made it past Simon Cowell. No, of course not. Dave Grohl said, could you imagine Simon Cowell dealing with a a young Bob Dylan? It never would have happened. that's right. So, and I think that's that's the one thing that scares me a lot with these shows. I'm glad that they're making their way out because uh, so many young people think that that is the only thing that is accepted. And that is a tragedy because these, their people are born to do this and when you're born to make music i mean i'm not by any means a great singer but the thing is is i can translate what the meaning is to song and that you know a lot of artists out there that haven't had the guts to come forward i think we're going to miss out if they just don't believe in themselves enough right and the other thing is it doesn't set you up for the failure that you've got to have before you get to the stage where you have success well to me and i'm always asked What advice can you give? And my best advice, and this is advice that took me 56 years to learn, never ask people's opinion. (laughs) Never listen to their opinion if they decide to give it. And follow that voice in your head that tells you what to do because that is never wrong. Not once in my life has that voice been wrong. Listen to that voice in your head and go for it because that is your path. Well, listen, it's a pleasure to see you. And you know, you're not that scary. You're like the bad boy of radio. You're really so cool. Believe it or not, he's a sweetheart. Hi, this is Cherie Curry from The Runaways, and you are listening to Ugly Phil, who really isn't ugly, at the Rubber rubber Room, Triple M. Oh, damn it. So apart from doing this, I'm trying to make myself indispensable by learning other tricks of the trade. And today I got Bob on reception to help me out to 
become perhaps the new Triple M receptionist. Okay, well, you'll see that the calls are coming up onto the switchboard in the yep. top left corner. Yep. Got to double click on the call coming in. Double click on it when it comes in. Yeah. Say hello, Triple M. Good afternoon, Triple M, or good morning, Triple good M. Good morning, whichever yeah. it is. Yeah, time of Ask the day. Perhaps how can I direct your call? And when you find out who they'd like to speak with, put the call through. Yeah, type the person's name in, double click, and it's. All right, leave it with me, Bob. I think I can get this done. Well, don't mess it up. Thank you for calling Triple M. Please say the name of the department or person you're calling for. Uh, sales department. Did you say the promotions department? No, sales department. Is this regarding a prize you have won recently? No, it's regarding a sale. And will you be claiming this prize personally or will you require it to be sent to you? No, it's about a sale. Okay, when you come to the station, please bring valid ID with you. I'm not not coming to the station. It's about a sale. Have you ever used fake ID? What? What was that? What about when you were 16 and you tried to sneak into the Palace nightclub? Uh, Listen, I don't know what this is, but I need to speak to my account manager. Sales. Thank you for your call. Can we direct you any further? To... I'm sorry, we've already played Jimmy Barnes this hour. Just put me through to sales. If you wish the Black Thunders to come to your suburb, please say your location now. Can somebody... Is this the number I'm supposed to ring for Triple M, our account manager? It's some stupid automation system that just keeps putting me through to... uh, keeps putting me through to promotions or Jimmy Barnes song requests. And how old is your mum? Oh, for f- <laughs> oh, I, knew, oh, I knew... Ugly, I knew that was... I didn't know it was take... me! How come it had to be me? Well, who else is it going to be? All right, I shall put you through to the promotions department now. I don't want to go through the promotions department. Oh, God, thanks very much. So, Sammy X, I'm going to go out there on a limb and be controversial here, and I'm not a fan of this guy's music or this particular style of music by any stretch. However. I think that there could be the odd occasion where we could play Eminem, Lose Yourself. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous. What do you think? Um, no. No? No. But he keeps on forgetting what he Can you imagine the backlash we're going to get if we, we say see, that? I don't know. I mean, maybe there'll be a certain percentage of people that ring up and go, Triple M, why are you playing that? Other people will go, perhaps, and I'm wrong, maybe. They'll go, that's not got a bad beat to it. I can dig that. I can feel that. I'm coming from your schnizzle. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm getting into it. Yeah, listen, listen, I also listen. answer the phone. I know how it's going to go. Yeah, here we go. Listen. It's all back to these ropes. It don't matter. He's dope. He knows that, but he's broke. He's so stagnant. I'm not saying all the time, I'm saying occasionally from the randomizer. I'm saying that the occasional Triple M caller would go, that's okay, I can live with that. No. No? No. Alright. Okay, listen, I'll open up the phone on that, because you know I'm not gonna do it, but you know, if it was just for the occasional, you know, play, would you be going with a bit of M M&M and lose yourself? While you're doing that, let's talk Doctor Who. I've got Simon on the phone from a cafe in Wales called Field of Beans, where if you order your coffee in a Dalek voice, you'll get 5% off your order. Simon, good to talk to you. How's it work? Thank you. The way we've got it is, if you can come in and give me a good Dalek impression on your coffee order, I'll give you 5% off your coffee order. Are you a big Doctor Who fan? Um, not myself, personally, more of a Star Wars fan, but I do like my Doctor Who. I've had some good impressions have come in. It's been really entertaining with the customers. Have you had any customers <laughs> who've got no idea what's going on? Someone's asked for it in a Dalek voice and they've gone, what's going on here? Yes, that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> How many customers have so far come in and done the Dalek voice? Fair play. Um, I think about, about 15 people so far. Some of them get embarrassed because they don't want to do the voice really loud, but I make sure they do it nice and loud. Uh, so a couple sidle up to you and give you a really sort of exterminate, give me coffee, and you go, I'm sorry, I yeah. can't hear you. Yeah, and I go, Daleks aren't quiet. They have to be loud and obnoxious. <laughs> and do you do a Dalek voice yourself? Um, well, I try, but it, ends up, it comes up more like Yoda. I'd like to hear it anyway. <clears throat> Cappuccino. Yeah, you're right. It is a bit more like Yoda, isn't it? It's not the best impression, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a bar to stack for people to come and beat it. Well, and so what's the one you're going to do after this? 
I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sitting down with the owners. We try to think of different things. I'm not going to say what I'm going to do because I don't know yet. Right. Always watch the board because you never know what's going to happen. You should get people to do Sean Connery as 007, James <laughs> Bond. Yeah, I've had a lot of people ask me for Roger Moore as well. Well, there you go. It could be just thing. a James Bond-themed coffee day. Yeah. You know what? That might work. I might have to uh, incorporate that. <laughs> okay. Exterminate. Ex- How was that? Was that any good? We will exterminate 5% off your order. Oh, there That's you what go. we tell people. I'll give you a call in a couple of weeks and see how Bond went. Brilliant. I look forward to it, my friend. I look forward to it. <laughs> oh, good to touch you. Hey, listen, I see loads of people on the phone. Sammy X, am I going to be surprised by the reaction to that question, or I take it no by the look I'm of your face? I'm just going to leave it as a surprise. Oh, okay, you, all right. Okay? All right. You're listening to the Rubber Room podcast. Find us on facebook.com forward slash MMM Rubber Room. Okay, I mentioned this before just by way of what if, because I've said, you know, let's put some stuff and put it in the randomizer and maybe play something we haven't played in ages. And I don't know how, but this came to my mind, right? His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, And I remember seeing this song in the soundtrack to a film recently. I thought it was Southpaw, but maybe it wasn't. But I thought, gee, that really suited the film. And I actually don't mind the song. I mean, I don't like this style of music, don't get me wrong, and I'm not a fan of Eminem. However, it's a great beat, isn't it? What? Why are you laughing? You can't say it's a great beat. Listen to it. So you're still dead set against hearing this from the randomizer sound? Yes. Right, okay. Well, let me get to the phone and find out what the people think. I don't think I'm completely wrong here. How are you, Doug? What do you reckon? I love it. So you could live with it? Absolutely. See, this is what I thought. But I'll go through the other phones and see what they think. Thanks, man. No worries, dude. How are you, Carl? Oh, g'day, Phil. How are you, mate? How do you feel yeah, about that? Is, yeah, no M&M. I want to hear Five Finger Death Punch, Iron Maiden, and Alter Bridge. Yeah, but that's not the choice. The thing is, what do you think if we yeah, occasionally yeah. ever played no, M&M? Lose no, yourself? No, never? No? Never. No chance? Never. No. Go to hell, if Phil. We, if, we, if we play M&M, instead of lose yourself, we'll be losing the radio station. Okay, it's not going to happen. <laughs> How are you, Hayden? Mate, I'm sitting in my driveway because I was waiting for you to answer and I definitely think we should get that happening. Yeah, you know what? It's okay for a once right? Yeah, definitely. Peter, where do you sit with this possibility of the occasional Eminem Lose Yourself song? Yeah, I don't mind Eminem. It's not too bad. Tommy, it is, as I expected, people don't hate the idea. What about you? Mate, I'm on my way home from overtime and that made my day. I loved it. I can't believe you stopped playing it. See, there you go. All right, thanks, man. Emma? I think it's great. I love I hate Eminem, but I tell you what, you can get really get into that song. Yeah, it's just that song on its own. I agree with you. Thanks, Emma. What do you think, Jason? Ugly, we want to hear it. You see, again, this is what I'm saying. It's just the beat of the song, not the style. We're not going to play rap here, right? Yeah, it's great. What do you think, Philomena? Um, I think no. No. I disappoint you. Because it's the rap, because it's Eminem, or because you don't like the song? I, I actually like the song. I just don't, wouldn't like it for Triple M. Like All right. You guys. What do you think, Dave? Yes or no? Ugly. Some no to Eminem, but if you're going to get some hip-hop, play some Aussie hip-hop. Chris, yes or no? Absolutely not. Not if he was Eminem and Eminem with three M's. Thank you. Absolutely not. Oh, I appreciate the calls. It's just a thought. So, you know, there's nothing I love more than disarming people, especially if they're in the bathroom and I'm in one stall and they're in the other stall and, you know, they're doing number twos because that's when people are at the most vulnerable. And you don't need some idiot with a microphone in the stall next to you talking to you. Oh. Who's that there? It's Josh. Oh, hi, mate. How are you? Hey, Phil. You're here well, mate. Good weekend? Yeah, good weekend. Yeah, good. What? Shit! What is it? You're up. I, I've. Phil. It's. It's gone purple. What's gone purple? My thing. Like. Do you reckon that's anything to worry about? Probably not getting blood to it or something. How well, could blood not be going to it? Maybe you caught something. What? Or you hernia? I don't know. What? You should get, mate, I don't say doctor. I should get this checked, hey? Mate, go to the doctor's. Why do you think you could fall off? What? You're shitting me, right? Come and have a look at it. I'm bloody busy. Jeez. Go to the doctor. The doctor's downstairs. Have you ever... Has yours ever gone purple? No, mate. Have you finished in there? 
I'm not gonna have a look at it. Go to the goddamn doctors. Do you reckon that's serious? Yeah, it's probably something going on. Go to the doctors downstairs. Josh? Josh! Ugly Phil. You're just doing this for the fun of it. The rubber room. Triple M. Hey, listen, if you're easily freaked out, don't listen to this. And I guess I kind of include you in this, Sammy X, although you may have to listen to this because, you know, you're on the show, right? A Russian man who's got a debilitating illness has volunteered to become the first person to undergo a head transplant. But experts say the side effects of the procedure could be worse than death. The controversial operation will involve cooling the head to about 12 degrees Celsius, cutting it off from the body... I think connecting it to the donated body of a brain-dead person. No, I don't like it. After surgery, it's going to be kept in a medically-induced coma coma rather, for about three to four weeks while the doctors stimulate the spinal cord nerves to reconnect and start functioning. However, the president-elect for the American Association for Neurological Surgeons said, I would not wish this on anyone. He said, I would not allow anyone to do this to me as there are a lot of things worse than death. So the operation's likely to take about 36 hours and will involve about 150 doctors and nurses. Apparently, they said what happens with the head transplant patient, you could end up being overwhelmed with different pathways in chemistry. Stuff you're not used to, you could go crazy. The side effects of this could be the worst form of insanity ever, ever experienced by a human being. You know what, they've been talking about doing this for a while and I remember reading about this a few months ago and it, so it still hasn't happened. I wonder if it is actually going to happen. Well, I don't know. That's apparently the thing. Now, you're not confusing this with a face transplant, are you? Because this no. is a whole other area. No, I'm. No, it's this one. This is brand new from the neck up. <laughs> or brand new from the waist down. But we'll get to that in a sec. The brown-breaking uh, treatment was performed on a monkey in 1970, and unfortunately the poor animal, which they should have bloody left alone in my opinion, only lived for eight days after the body rejected the new head. Yeah, see? It's not a good idea. No, of course it's not a good idea. And here's the other things that they think of. When the head comes to and looks down, what about if the new body's got tattoos? You'll be like, hang on a second. I don't remember getting that. Yeah, you'd be confused. Yes. Or worse still... Imagine if you've got the new head and you've got the new body, but then you look down and you realise that your penis is now substantially smaller. Oh, we had to go there, didn't yeah, well, we? You know, we I'm really just, did. I mean, it had to be said, right? Okay? Imagine that. I mean, I'm looking at everything, right? Somewhere in a forgotten room, a brilliant idea laid gathering dust. The Rubber Room. Triple M. Chrome is the latest album for The Screaming Jets and the new single is called Automatic Cowboy. The Jets are currently on the tour to promote the album. In fact, they've got three shows left. Bridge Hotel in Roselle, Sydney tomorrow night, Friday, the Rudy Hill RSL, and Saturday, the hometown of Newcastle, playing the Belmont 16s. Dave Gleason's on the phone. How are you, man? I'm real good, mate. How you going? Good, mate. Pedro, the Mexican cleaner who works here, said this is the best album you've done in years. Awesome. Well, that's the type of reviews we like from the man on the street or, as it were, the man on the end of the vacuum cleaner. The album's called Chrome. First single's Automatic Cowboy. And you've been on tour. And as we can tell by the tone of your voice, yeah. you're coming to the end of it. It's been a long year already for me because I was uh, on tour with the Angels from January up until about midway through April and then... Picked up with the Jets all the way through May. We've got three shows to go. So what's been the highlight of the tour so far? Uh, we've sold out everywhere we've gone. It'll end up being like 11 shows, and uh, every show's been packed. Yeah, and then, of course, after this, you're going to have to go and stand for by-election in your local area because a lot of people don't realise, but you're actually running for local council. Yeah, oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, well, I think a good democracy relies on uh, a benevolent despot. <laughs> there you go. And who else but you, man? <laughs> <laughs> Start a cult, you get to have sex with everybody's wives. That's my agenda anyway. <laughs> so that's uh, the end of the tour. Then what are you going to do? So you got a month off? What are you going to do? Month off. Funnily enough, I'm being inducted into the South Australian Music Hall of Fame wow. in the middle of June. Look at that. They've uh, made you their own. They have indeed. I've been here 11 years now, <laughs> so I guess I must have passed some type of criteria. But do they realise that what you're doing is a bit of a the Unabomber? You're doing a bit of that business out there in the woods. Don't they realise that's, that's right. why you're living out there without electricity? I'm hidden up here in the woods. I'm off the grid. And then what are you going to do after that? 
Uh, well, then, uh, on the road with the Angels from uh, July, we start Angels and My Sex touring around. And how are the fans liking the new album? Oh, loving it. We, uh, we've been getting great reviews and uh, we got a good review by Robin Dorian in the uh, in the Rolling Stone. It sounds like a band refreshed. 27 years ago our first review in the Rolling Stone said All For One could probably have been better titled All For Naught. <laughs> Don't become the new Nickelback. Has <laughs> Angus rung you yet? No, I thought, someone asked me did I get in touch with ACDC and I said look, if Angus wants to find you, yeah. Angus can find you. Oh, he's That's a bit like Chopper, he, you know, he knows your number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we wouldn't want to have a crack at that. Mate, that's a whole lot of Rosie right oh, there. bring it on, baby. <laughs> nice one. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Phil. How about this? A naked hotel guest found by cops sleepwalking in a street in Manchester in England at 4.30 in the morning. Cops arrested him and he asked for a selfie, but it turned out when they found this guy, they realised it was a genuine case of somnambulism, which, incidentally, for those of us that haven't passed TAFE medical, it's sleepwalking. Apparently, the cops said they saw the funny side of the situation, so did the sleepwalker, who wanted a selfie before being returned to the hotel. Here's the thing, though. Apparently, one in 50 of us are believed to suffer from episodes of sleepwalking. For me, personally, that scares the hell out of me. You ever sleepwalked yourself there, Sammy X? I've never sleepwalked, no. No. Although you do other things, of course. Some people have used it as their defence in court. But, you know, I've heard of other cases of people who, you know, like, make love to their wives. And the wife wakes up and the husband goes, I didn't know I was doing it. I was merely sleepwalking. Is that what you do? No, well, it's maybe one way I can get a little bit of the nasty with Mrs. Ugly. I might get a bit of the, honey, it wasn't my fault. I was just sleep dreaming. Sleep shag. That would be creepy. That would be creepy. So here's my question to you on 13353. Have you ever sleepwalked? What kind of weird and bizarre situations did you find yourself in? What happened to you, man? Uh, mate, going back years ago, back in school, my mum um, just had a bug. Only 12 months old and, um, yeah, went to the movies one night and uh, came home and fell asleep. And, yeah, wake up in the middle of the night thinking someone was chasing me. Had to get out of the house. Went down the stairs, closed the door, down the street, middle of winter. Right. And um, woke up down the street. You know, I was only wearing uh, boxer shorts at the time, middle of winter, freezing cold. Come back. Didn't want to open, uh, knock on the door because I... Uh, do want to wake up the bud and what mum's like. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I ended up being outside till about 3 o'clock in the morning trying to, you know, eventually I did ring the doorbell. They wouldn't open up. Eventually they did open up and, uh, yeah, the kids, they thought I'd uh, snuck out for the night. Yeah, so of course, that would be, being your mum, that would have been what I would have thought as well. You've just been out all night, probably doing something that kids do. Look at you in your boxer shorts. Now, is it true that you should never wake up a sleepwalker? Oh, I don't know. I'll tell you what, it was, uh, I'm bloody hypothermia in the morning. <laughs> Shrinkage, man. Oh, mate. So, Dan, what happened to you? Well, it was my uh, little brother. He, uh, we were uh, watching a movie pretty late at night. He comes thundering past, like full pelt, runs out into the backyard, and we're like, "What the hell?" So we followed him out, and he's looking around everywhere. He's like freaking out. We're like shaking him, like, "What, what is wrong with you?" And he goes, "Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla." Yeah, he's uh, he's watched Godzilla. And uh, he's gone to bed and had nightmares about Godzilla, so he's just gotten up and just sleepwalked straight out the backyard and started looking for Godzilla. Fast, fast asleep, and we're like, what the hell? Lucky he wasn't watching the Muppets movie, otherwise he might have tried to climb inside a sock. Stick his hand up someone's ass. Thank you. Hey, Brad, what happened? Yeah, um, I sleepwalked up at Bendigo. I stayed at a motel at my father-in-law and the missus, and I uh, had a few too many beers, and supposedly I tried to go out the front door, but luckily there was a chain. There was a chain on the front door to stop me getting on the main highway at Bendigo. Wow, so you could have gone up the main street. Yeah, I didn't bed until the morning. I was laughing at me. Well, imagine uh, if you'd gotten back into the pub, because then you would have had an excuse, <laughs> right? <laughs> I would have had no money on me, though. That's the problem. So, Josh, what happened to you? Uh, yeah, I was um, when I was uh, younger. Uh, woke up uh, about four o'clock in the morning, or my mum woke me up. I was covered in tears, and I'd been pointing at the bathtub, standing there for apparently half an hour, just bawling my eyes out. Did, did you sub- subconsciously want to have a bath? Did you feel dirty? Did you have any idea what was going on? No clue. Can't remember anything of it. I woke up um, the next day. Mum was like, you know what you were doing last night? I was like, no. It's like you were standing at the bathtub. I couldn't get you to move because you're not supposed to wake them up. No, that's what I heard, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was standing there just blowing my eyes out for a good half an hour. Liam, what happened? G'day, mate. This is when we were 18, young fellas, and one of our mates um, had a big night and we're all staying around his place and he woke up about 4.30 in the morning. He's butt naked, fast asleep, walking around the house. Decided he'd make himself some dinner. 
put on the stove, put on the oven, and then you sort of, sort of Dave, Dave, you know, just make sure you're okay, mate. And he proceeded to take a leak in the sink and then went oh. back to bed fast asleep. It's a famous story we call the naked chef's night between, between <laughs> the boys. Hey, Sarah, what happened? My one and only time I slept walk was when I was a child. I fell asleep in one of the other bedrooms in my parents' house, tried to get up to get back into my bed and kept hitting into the middle of nothing. Freaked myself that much that I ended up waking up and finding out I was actually in my own bedroom. I haven't slept walk since. <laughs> Right. Have you heard about the cases of where you have sleep sex? Uh, yeah, but I haven't had that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had to ask, right? Oh, why not? Hey, Melissa, how are you? So what happened? Well, I'm actually a notorious sleepwalker. Right. One that the family loved most is when I found myself, I woke up, I was in the kitchen eating dog food. I just woke up and I was standing there eating dry dog food. Oh, so at least you went on your hands and knees eating it out of the bowl. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you say you're notorious. How many times has this happened to you? I sleepwalk all the time. Do you reckon your husband's ever come home after a line of drinking with his mates gone, come and sit in the lounge, you're not going to believe this? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rod, how are you? What happened? <laughs> Ugly Phil, how are you? What happened? Well, confession, it wasn't me, it was my brother. And he told me about it a few years ago. He was overseas uh, working and staying in a hotel. He woke up to a click of a door and he was on the outside of it, buck naked wow. in a hotel. <laughs> He was in a bit of a predicament. He said uh, it took him a while to sort of come to and work out where he was and try and work out what to do. He did find a phone up the end of the hall. He was able to ring downstairs and say, can you help me out? I'm locked out of my room. And he was apparently trying to hide behind a pot. <laughs> He's a big guy. <laughs> Imagine if he checked out. <laughs> Triple M. Okay, uh, he's on the phone. Their album's coming out tomorrow. These guys are going to be huge, so it's good to jump on the bandwagon beforehand. Uh, Mr. Inappropriate, please, could you do the introductions? So what are they? Catfish or bottlemen? Are they lightly grilled with a sprinkling of dew? Or are they like a fine drop of distilled monkey shoulder? Let's try and find out. It's Van from Catfish and a bottleman in the rubber room. ready for your telephone interview with Van from Catfish and the Bottom Man. Totally, put him through. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. You've got a bit of a relationship with Sydney uh, because I only saw this guy the other day, the actual Catfish the Bottle Man. He's still playing here. Guessing, yeah. I know we met him last time we were out there and uh, I've known him since I was a little kid and that's, of course, who I named the band after because he was a street performer that I watched when I was a kid when I first went over to Australia with my mum and dad because I've got a lot of family out there. He's still about still playing. He's a, he's a dude. We always said that as soon as we're like big enough to kind of do big shows out there, it'd be great to get him on support. So the poster said Catfish on the Bottom Man and Catfish on the Bottom Man. The second album's due to be released in a couple of weeks. The first album had three singles from it. How did you change your expectations and position when you went into the studio with this? We've always made albums to kind of sell tickets and play big shows, and we've always based our songwriting around the way people react live, you know, so when you guys play on the radio or back here they play on the radio or America or anything like that, that's just kind of, what? That's mad, that's a perk to the job, you know, because we just kind of, like say, always aim everything at live. Um, and the way the first one did, like the trajectory that got us on, like we, we're doing a show in a month in Manchester, 8,000 people and it sold out in five minutes and that was before we dropped any new music. The place where, where the balcony got us to, we're, we're so proud of, like the fact that I wrote a song in my bedroom that could fly me across the world to play in Australia and you guys play on your radio. That kind of blows my head off. In terms of going into the next one, no, we just wanted to do it as quick as we possibly could. We don't... You know that kind of second album syndrome that people talk about and people yeah. feeling the pressure of stuff like writing is never a chore, making an album is never a chore for us. It's like we get to make an album in LA with Dave Sardi, yeah. our hero. Are you crazy? That's yeah. class. It's never like, oh no, we've got to make an album in a month. It's like, get in, get to make another one. The label still like us. Quality. You know, when I first heard Catfish and the Bottle Men and I didn't realise you are from Wales, I thought you would be from somewhere like Tennessee or Mississippi. Uh, when I found out you were from Wales, I thought, hang on a second. There's no catfish in Wales, as far as I'm aware. I know, everyone thinks that about us. Everyone thinks we're going to be like a blue-flied act or something. I went to the trouble of actually looking up native fish of Wales. So, you know, you could have gone along the way of bullhead. You could have done the bream. You could have done the dace. But my favourite native fish of Wales, and you probably don't know this, and you nor would you probably care, but my favourite native fish of Wales is the chub. Oh, yeah, the, the, it's called the chub. The chub! 
that. Man, you could have probably been in a porn film, you know, Chubb and the Bottle Men. That genuinely cracked me up, that, mate. Thanks for all the support. Look forward to seeing Chubb and the... Oh, sorry, Catfish and the Bottle Men here in Australia later this year. So there's going to be a new book out about Michael Jackson, written by somebody called Shana Mangatal, who claims to have had a romantic relationship with Michael Jackson. The book is called Michael and Me, The Untold Story of Michael Jackson, The Secret Romance, about their alleged love. The relationship was quiet and sweet and real, a closely guarded secret, known only to a few trusted employees and friends, according to the press release. Mangatel, who's an actress, <laughs> who would have believed, first spoke of her relationship with Michael Jackson more than ten years ago on TV to defend him against the molestation allegations. Although in the book she claims that having Michael Jackson as my first love was not only a blessing but a curse as well obviously so much of a curse that she's now trying to cash in on it um michael or as he's known to those of us who like to love and cherish his memory the gloved one never confirmed the relationship uh, but she did appear in the ghost video where they were pictured together and also sometimes on tour as well so there you go something to look forward to if you're a michael jackson fan and i know you would sammy x because i know you're a big fan of as we like to call him the gloved one not really no, no i didn't think so uh, however there were also people that say that uh, michael jackson left subliminal message or liked to leave subliminal messages in a lot of his songs and also in a lot of his messages i personally think that's bullshit schnitzel I did not know that. No, well, anyway, have a listen. See if you can find any subliminal messages in, in this, I dare you. In the last few weeks, a large amount of ugly, malicious information has been released into the media about me. Apparently, this information was leaked through transcripts in a grand jury proceeding. Ugly, ill man handled me. The information is disgusting and false. Years ago, I allowed a family to visit and spend some time at Neverland. Neverland is my home. Ugly, ill is the root of all evil. These events have caused a nightmare for my family, my children, and me. Ugly, ill, stunk so bad. I never intend to place myself in so vulnerable a position ever again. I love my community, and I have great faith in our justice system. <coughs> beat it. Ill, beat it. No, that's wrong. Like this. Please keep an open mind and let me have my day in court. I deserve a fair trial like every other American citizen. I will be acquitted. Sex. With ugly, ill. That's happened many times. And vindicated when the truth is told. Thank you. There you go. Didn't pick up anything untoward in that, did I bet you? Did that take you hours and hours to put that together? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a lonely guy. <laughs> I've got a lot of time on my hands. This is Pedro, the Mexican cleaner, and you are listening to the Rabaloon podcast. I'm on the Mexican radio in Australia. Okay, Gazza, let's talk about Noel Gallagher. He's doubled the asking price now for an Oasis reunion. Yeah, it's if he would uh, reunite the band for 20 million quid. So he said after tax, that would be like five million pounds or something. And so, because yeah. he'd have to give the other bit to Liam. Last year, he said he'd do for 10 million. He originally said for 10 million, now he's doubled the price, right? Well, of course, inflation. Yeah, exactly. Around, and that's around 40 million Australian dollars. Yeah, I mean, you've got your VAT in there as well. You know, you've got how much do H&R Block cost in order and to do the tax return for that? Carbon tax, if you go back. Liam Gallagher tax, you know, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, so now it's uh, inflated up to 20 million for one gig. And he says, that's good money, isn't it? Yeah, it is for one gig, 20 million. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I told you, but I saw him play on stage at the Enmore and one of the fans at the front had a Noel Gallagher, obviously unauthorised biography. And he goes, oh, yeah, what's that then? Oh, it's about me then, is it? Yeah, so well, what happens at the end? Does he die from having too much f***ing money? <laughs> <laughs> He's got the best sense of he humor He is fantastic. Ever. Let's hear a bit of Noel Gallagher talking. Something what I don't care what people think about me. I've got one of them, and you f***ing haven't. So there. If you sad f***ers out there have never seen one of these, which you probably haven't, that's a platinum American Express card. That can buy you the aeroplanes that we get thrown off. I don't know if you heard about this, Sammy X, but Adele... It's just signed a record deal for $132 million. Oh, wow. That's not a bad paycheck, is it? It's a better paycheck than Whitney Houston, who previously held the record for $102 million. All that money, and she still had bad hair. And Adele, so at this stage, is worth $124 million. With the extra money, that will give her $256 million in the bank. Wow, what's she going to spend all of her money on? Where to start, right? Exactly. You just get out of bed and go, what do I want today? Well, she wouldn't get out of bed, why would you? You'd buy Australia for a start. Really expensive bed. Totally. So here's what I'm thinking, right? And I mean, at what stage is that going to be enough? Do you know when you have to sign a really important document, she's about to sign a, the, you know, 
contract for 132 million. Do you know how your signature never looks like your signature's supposed to whenever it's important? My signature never looks the same. No, exactly. That could be what happens. So she goes to sign the contract for 132 million and the signature doesn't work the same way because that always happens when you're nervous. And you look back and you go, hang on a second. Can I redo it? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, can you imagine if they're just like, no, you can't have the money because that doesn't look like the, your real signature? Do you think she'll use her full name? Adele have a lot of money. <laughs> Very good. Hey, thank you. Hey, there you go. Let's uh, give a tribute to Adele and her song, Hello. Hello from the outside. I quite like her vocals, actually, but I think they're nice. This is really early in the morning. She's been a bit yeah, this is her when she's uh, had a bad night's sleep. Now she can afford a new bed. Had a few drinks the night before. Money well spent, I reckon. Luke Williams is a freelance journalist, a former drug addict who was researching addiction to crystal meth. And the worst thing that could possibly happen, he became addicted himself. He wrote a book called The Ice Age, and I got uh, Luke on the Skype at the moment from Indonesia. How are you, mate? I'm very, very well, thank you. So the book is called The Ice Age. I've got to be honest with you, this drug scares the hell out of me. So it well should, because for a long time people were using what they called meth when it was in fact powdered meth, also called speed. And then people were using something else that they also called meth from about 2011, which is crystallized meth. And none of those rules, in my view, about just using here, there and everywhere now and then uh, apply to the use of crystallized meth. It's crystal meth ice? Yes, crystal meth is ice. Right. Crystallized powdered meth. So you wanted to find out, you were doing a book, you were researching crystal meth, you decided to try it yourself. How quickly did you get addicted? Very quickly, because when people talk about psychological addiction, what normally happens is people become trapped in a fantasy world, often at the start a grandiose fantasy world, and over time that becomes a psychosis, and the drug use seems incidental to that psychosis. Because obviously when you go crazy, you don't have any insight into the fact that you've gone crazy. Yeah, okay. When you say over time, how quickly? Or does it depend on the individual? It would depend on the individual. But for me, because I was very quickly having ideas that I was going to become a rapper and all these ridiculous things, I become so caught up in these very adolescent fantasies that it's hard to pinpoint an exact time, but I'd say within two weeks of using it. And what were the repercussions for your work and your life? So I wasn't spending a huge amount of money. And at first, it made me extremely productive. And the history of crystal meth is people, particularly from working class backgrounds, using the drug to help them get them through the working day. But over time, it quickly descended into, I wasn't doing very much at all except doing laps up and down the kitchen, fantasizing about being on the stage performing and everybody I ever hated sitting there with their arms crossed, shaking their head, saying, oh, he's just so talented, he's just so terrific, gee, that makes me angry. Is there anything in that as soon as you take your first hit, you're almost immediately addicted? create such a profound experience. I mean, people often live in very detailed, vivid fantasy worlds after they take their first, where they go into other dimensions and go into enchanted forests and whatnot. The temptation would be to have it again, or if you've got a tendency to go psychotic, you can very quickly descend into psychosis and not recognize it and keep on using it. So you're not instantly physically addicted, but after one big dose, to me, there's a high risk. You'll either become addicted or use it regularly enough. It'll have a negative effect on your life. And you give some examples of the people that you talk to as well. You've got your 60-year-old Bernard. You've got your 19-year-old who was living in Melbourne. You've got the girl who lived in Perth as well. It doesn't seem to be any one particular demographic. This seems to just, it affects everybody from all walks of life. Absolutely. The 60-year-old was a vice principal at a very well-to-do boys' school. There's a slight over-representation in users of people who are unemployed and a slight over-representation of people who work in labouring-type jobs, but people use it right across society. And even if people are using it every now and then and they still say, well, I'm still functioning, they might still be functioning, but I don't think you'd still be living your life to the full even if you were using it once a month. Would you consider if you were using this, uh, Luke, an addiction? It's a slippery concept when it comes to crystal meth addiction. With something like heroin addiction, there's a clear chemical result in the body 
that would indicate that you're addicted. They generally classify it as using it more than once a week. That means you're addicted, mm. which works out to roughly about 200,000 Australians. But if you're still using it once a week or once a fortnight, there's a good chance that you've got, if not an addiction, a bad habit that isn't doing your life terribly much good. You know what? I suffer from paranoia at the best of times. So the last <laughs> thing I want is to try and have something that brings on even mild paranoia. But the states that you talk about here, again, I mean, they're horrific. Yes. Yeah, so at one point in time, I, I believed I'd been poisoned because somebody, in fact, the dealer I was living with was going, go and have a look at yourself in the mirror. You look terrible. And when I actually came to see what I look like with blackened teeth and big rings under my eyes and sores all over my face, I came to believe that I, I had been poisoned when it was obvious I'd actually become a crystal meth addict. Yeah, paranoia is probably part of all of our lives, whether we're imagining what other people think of us or imagining that people are up to something when they're not. So why feed into that and create more of that by oh, taking crystal meth, absolutely. even at a casual level? Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. The book is called The Ice Age. Luke, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. This is Mr. Inappropriate and you are listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. Apparently the other night on TV, they did a live version of The Simpsons. How would they have done that? Because it's a cartoon. I've got no idea. Apparently it was a lot. Maybe they drew as they went. Wow, that would be really impressive. I'd like to see that. Can you find out more information for me? Okay. In in return, I'll give you the fact that there is an actual Moe's bar in America. Always the subject of Bart Simpson's calls. So let's ring Moe's. Thank you for calling. Hello, Mr. Moe's. Hello, Moe's bar? What can I do for you? Uh, yeah, is Al Coholic there at the moment? Uh, yeah, okay, I've never heard this before. See more butts? Don't have time for this, buddy. We're real busy here. Oliver, friend of mine drinking there. Oliver, Oliver, clothes off. Is that you, Craig? I'm trying to get hold of IP, a friend of mine, uh, Ian. His uh, initials are IP. IP Freely. Can you call uh, him? Ha, ha. What about Jock Strap? He's Scottish. I'm going to hang up on you, Craig. Homer, friend of mine, Homer, sexual. I ain't got time for this, buddy. <laughs> Did you find out anything? Yeah, so it seems that for the uh, the last three minutes or so of an episode, they handed over to Homer Simpson, right. who answered fans' questions. How? I don't know. That's, fan- that's like looking in a hologram and finding an enigma, to quote Homer Simpson. Wow. Well, I'm impressed by that. So when you pass away, and let's face it, it's going to happen, wouldn't you like these guys involved? From the arts and design company, a funeral home, Christian's on the phone. It's a quirky funeral. How does it work? Well, as you might know, we've just kind of started out, so it's up to what people want. Yeah. And if they want some kind of individual expression, then they can get it. And it's about giving them the choice. So if somebody wants to be buried in a shed or cremated with it or his tools or his bike or in a hot air balloon or... Right, you're going to do it. ...fire on the back of a truck drives through town, yeah. Brilliant. I couldn't imagine the hot air balloon being one of the easier options. Have people come to you with the quirky ideas of what they want? Yeah, they're quirky. We had one in an art space, in an art gallery. I mean, I guess it's quirky in the sense that it's not traditional. It wasn't in a church or a crematorium. Yeah. But we really got to celebrate the identity of the lady by hanging her art and her sketchings and her book and have people get up and speak. It was quite beautiful, quirky and beautiful. Well, you see, I like that because I don't think that funerals necessarily have to be a sombre occasion. And, you know, it's going to happen to all of us, regardless of who you are and how much money you've got in the bank. So I would like, personally, my one to be a celebration of what an idiot I was throughout my life and have something that represents <laughs> that, you know, uh, maybe a band playing Sid Vicious's version of My Way or something like that. So, yeah, everyone has to come just in punk. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned people that want to get buried with their tools and things like that. Do you find out a bit about the person and then give them a suggestion? Yeah, that's our point of difference is that all funeral directors go and have a consult with the family and then they give them the options of what they're busy provides but I think what we're trying to do is we've had some consults with the family and then we want to get a sense of who that person is and it's for the person who's died and it's also for the person who's still living and grieving and celebrating the, the memory of their life so of course, yeah. yeah we go and we meet the family and we we get across their photos and their memorabilia and their the sense of who they are and then try to imbue the service with that I know you said the business is only at its infancy stage but what's been the most unusual one so far 
got a guy who's an actor and he wants to embellish that and do a video and uh, kind of document his whole process of towards death. And right. so that's in the works. Maybe you could have a whole acting scene, have someone act out his life. Yeah, I mean, you could have. And then the final scene is, well, here he is in, you know, the coffin. That's it. Yeah, and then they wheel out poor old Hamlet. All. Alas, poor Daryl, I knew him well. Yeah, I, <laughs> I knew him well. What's the website so people can find out more details about this, man? Thehouse.global. All right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ring you in a year's time and let's compile a list of the top five. Do that, Phil. Look, yeah, I mean, it is about exploring what people want. Exactly. It doesn't have to be a sombre occasion. Yeah, thank you, Phil. Thank you very much. No, you're welcome. Thank you. That's The House, if you want to find out more details about that. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at The Rubber Room AU. All right. I know you want to know about this. It's The Fruit Fondler, and you'll find the video on The Rubber Room Facebook page. Stephanie Sarley is the artist, and yes, it is a female. And no, you don't see her face or any body parts other than her fingers in these videos. But nonetheless, her Instagram has racked up more than 61,000 followers And each of her videos garner well over a thousand favorites and hundreds of comments from fans and trolls alike. Look, there's so many amazing components to this story, but I just want to let you know that her Instagram page was actually disabled three times. (laughs) For what, being obscene with fruit? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But here's the thing. With all social media, people can flag your content. I'm guessing someone had flagged her and thought that, you know, this was too explicit for Instagram. I don't know. I feel like Instagram is too prudish for my taste. And she talks about how she really loves Meyer lemons. Yeah, of course she does. Okay, so she's been obscene with fruit. She's the fruit fondler. You know where this is going. Go to the Rubber Room Facebook page to see the video. Hello, Craig. Go on, mate, yourself. Go on, then. Bet you she loves this shark of banana. <laughs> Thank you. Not a problem. I should have expected you to get into this straight away too, Dave. Oh, I love me fruit. So does she, apparently. What's the punchline? She's a thief because she pinched my plums. Never enough mention of plums on the radio. you got to love your plums. How are you, Michael? Oh, not bad, yourself. Good, what do you got? She likes to play with the melons. I bet she's got a lovely pair. Yep. Thank you. Hello, Sean. Hey, Phil, how you doing? What do you got? Don't hold it against her. I heard she's a real peach. What do you got, Craig? So she can fuck with fruit. She sure can peel the skin off a banana. There it is. Apparently she likes apples as well because she's hardcore. And Sunny X, one more off the tweet for the woman that fondles fruit and the punchline. So Jake got on the Twitter and he said, it's all fun and games until she rubs another man's rhubarb. (laughs) Well, hang on a second. Technically, rhubarb would be a vegetable. No, isn't rhubarb a fruit? No, rhubarb would be a vegetable, surely. Surely not. I don't know. Anybody? It's like a dessert. You have like rhubarb. No, it's a vegetable, right? Mal's on the phone. A rhubarb. Surely that's a vegetable, mate. It's a vegetable, mate. Fruit has so. the seed inside it. It's like a flower, which, as we know, are just prostitutes for the bees. It, the seed ends up outside of it. Well, it depends on how excited the bee is, I guess. Yeah. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. So this woman has written a genuine eBay ad about her Fiat 500, which she's trying to sell, which she admits has caused her a lot of trouble since she bought it. She said, and this is the opening line, it's a real bargain. However, to be honest, this car has genuinely ruined my life. People haven't been put off on the internet, though. So far, she's had 26 bids. She said, I bought this car for about £6,000, which is over 12 grand. I won't lie to you, though. It's pissed me off. I crashed it within the first week. It's got some minor damage to the bumper. I haven't bothered to fix that. And one night, I left it for five hours unaccompanied in Brixton while I went to a rave. And when I got back, the car was broken into and was damaged quite badly. That's still on there. So people are going, well, that's honesty. I like that. Reminds me of the time I tried to sell my car. And uh, I managed to tape the conversation on my phone as well, which was pretty cool. Hello? Uh, yeah, hi, just calling about that car you got for sale. Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, you're interested, eh? Uh, yeah, can you just tell me a bit about it? Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, two, uh, 2000, uh, as I said, on near a offer. What I'll do is actually, I've got the keys on me now. I can pop out and talk to you for the car, and that way I can answer any questions you might have if you... Yeah, okay, yeah, that yeah, sounds good. I'm just going to pop out the back here and I'll uh, turn her over. You can have a look and, you know, ask me anything you want to ask. Uh, what year is it? Uh, it's a 95. Good condition. I'll get in and I'll, um, I'll turn it over. You can have a listen. Yeah, okay. So it's got the car alarm and, and all that. Uh, yeah, does, does that come with it as well? Yeah, yeah, all that jazz. Uh, good. Nice, clean. Um, runs really well. Had no problems with it whatsoever. Well, uh, just uh, turn it over. And, um, yeah, I'll just 
for the call. Hang on a sec. It's a bit like this one's the call. Come on! Come on! Um, you f***ing piece of s***! Piece of f***! Yeah, mate, it's, uh, it's a good car, hello, like I said. Hello? Hello? <laughs> if you've got a smart TV, hackers can hack into it and they can see what you're doing. i got our rubber room technology man, Trevor Long from EFTN.com.au on the phone. This can't be the case, surely. If we were Mythbusters, we would call this plausible, absolutely. We haven't heard a lot of reports of that happening because it's a very complicated thing to do, but let's think about it. A smart TV is really just a computer. Yeah. And some of those smart TVs have cameras in them so that you could do things like Skype and stuff. So I would say that absolutely it's possible, but I've never heard of it happening because such a small target to hit trying to be a hacker to look into someone's lounge room and then for what purpose? Well, if you're making love in there, I'd watch it. However, if we talk about computers, because all computers or most of them have a camera, right, and we give so much information to our computer, people surely can hack into a computer and watch you on your camera there. A much bigger risk and a reason you must have internet security software on your on your laptop because every laptop has a camera. That, that little thing, that little little tiny dot above the monitor is a camera. They, if someone gets some malware, spyware onto your computer, it'll be monitoring every keystroke you make, getting your internet banking password, and it'll be looking at you where you are so it can determine as much as it can about you to get identity theft on the road. So that's yeah. what they're after. They're after your identity. Or you may just, as I mentioned before, have the computer in the bedroom and you may be doing mm. the nasty, and someone's there, mm. and they could even video record you doing it. More travelling. You could be on your own, Phil. Tell me someone who hasn't got a video of that. <laughs> you got to have the right security. Otherwise... you got to have security software. If you want to be protected, you got to have security software. It's as simple as that. Give the website a plug. EFTM.com.au You may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! Oh. The Rubber Room.